The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today, we proudly welcome to our pulpit our colleague and friend and university chaplain for international students, the Reverend Brittany Lungsdorf, preaching to us on the mighty theme, Being and Belonging. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we sometimes are tempted to pull up the carrots to see whether or not they are growing. We, we lack patience. Sometimes we are tempted to try to think 24 thoughts at once and we become befuddled. We lack presence. Sometimes we are tempted to give up too early, to, to throw in the towel when we are almost home. We lack persistence. How good to be together and to come to worship together where we may confess and so leave bundled behind our lack of patience and our lack of presence and our lack of persistence. Let us confess our condition before God our maker as the choir sings a traditional Kyrie eleison. Grant us thy peace, grant us thy peace, grant us thy peace. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9 and 13. 
Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. And also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a, to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the in way of another. In the way of another, the word of the Lord.
please join me in saying verses from Psalm 103 with the Antiphon. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his sins. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as, long, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 35 through 38. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. As you are comfortable, please join me in a word of prayer. Gracious God, you are the great homesickness we can never shake off. The one who urges us to be and tells us that we belong. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Thank you to Dean Hill and the Marsh Chapel staff and community for inviting me to preach this lovely September Sunday. As the chaplain for international students here at BU, my heart is overjoyed by the cool crispness in the air and the mass of students walking up and down Commonwealth Avenue in our autumn sunlight. I find it a particular privilege to share my sermonic thoughts with you at the beginning of the school year. As a chaplain for international students, I am privileged to work with students from all over the world who speak a variety of different languages. This is particularly for me a treat, as I love to collect interesting, funny, and intriguing words from foreign languages. I made friends with a German graduate student last year who taught me my three new favorite German words that I think are perfectly hilarious, and I would like to share them with you now. For example, the German word for ambulance is Krankenwagen, which I think might possibly be the funnest word to shout aloud, but also is just an apt description of an ambulance as a cranking wagon. Another great German word is Kummerspeck, which in English would translate to stress eating, that instant where you might be sad, overwhelmed, stressed, depressed, and you eat too much to overcompensate. But in German, this word literally translates to grief bacon, which I think provides some insights into my own life. But the German word that I think is particularly helpful for us today when we look at this letter to Rome from the Apostle Paul is the word fremdscham. We don't really have an English equivalent for this expression, but it's a notion of being embarrassed for somebody else. Perhaps you hear someone talking loudly on their cell phone while riding the train, or you see someone slopping food down their front as they sit next to you at a table in the restaurant. You might feel fremdscham towards them. In your mind forms a quiet critique, a passing of concise judgment, and just a twinge of embarrassment at what your neighbor is doing. In our passage today in Romans, we see the Apostle Paul addressing a community in conflict. 
The church in Rome is newly budding, and as all new communities form, so do rules and regulations. And those regulations are also typically followed by conflict. So really, the Romans are right on track. In the Roman church's case, Paul has heard hearsay of gossip and judgment towards one another about what they are eating and what days they find most appropriate for worship. Most specifically, some people are eating meat and some people are abstaining from eating meat on religious grounds. Some people are choosing to worship on Sundays while others are choosing to worship on Saturdays while some don't keep a Sabbath day at all. And due to Paul's more gentle language used in the section of this letter, historical scholars conclude that there's no harsh physical confrontation that's broken out over these disagreements. But instead, there has been a good deal of whispering about these topics. A sly judgment from one group to another, a critical sense of embarrassment about one's neighbor. Each group in Rome was feeling very fremsham towards each other embarrassed by the other's unorthodox eating practices and judgmental towards their choices in worship. Now, I would love to say that this is an ancient and ridiculous argument that we have far surpassed today. Why fight about what your neighbor is eating? But unfortunately, similar debates continue 2,000 years later. There are still scoffs and scuffles in our churches about whether to drink grape juice or wine at communion whether to eat wafers or pita bread. And there is a larger issue in society with a robust debate about health style superiority, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, you're a meat eater, paleo, etc., etc. But Paul identifies that the issue at hand is not solely about food and drink, worship and Sabbath, but it's about judging each other deeming one's own group as true, and that the other group is an imposter. You see, each group fears that they are in the wrong, that they are perhaps the community at fault, and thus they jump to persuade Paul and other church leaders of their self-righteousness and correctness. Afraid of being discovered as an imposter group in this early development of the church, their gossip slowly becomes a battle of wits and slander, trying to create rules and regulations for the community. This fear of being an imposter and thus judging others or feeling judged is rampant in our society, and especially, I would say, on our college campuses at the beginning of a school year. Young adults are particularly prone to what is called imposter syndrome. I know that I have felt this way numerous times in the past few years of my life as I have transitioned. When I was first accepted to Princeton Theological Seminary, I remember on orientation day standing amongst the Gothic buildings and the ivy and thinking to myself, everyone is going to find out I'm not smart enough to be here. I fervently scribbled notes about fire drills, codes of conduct, scholarships during our orientation sessions just to look like I was keeping up and fitting in, out of my fear that everyone would discover who I truly was, a rural Midwestern girl from Iowa who read more fiction and poetry than theology in her undergraduate. And then, in our first chapel service of the year, our campus chaplain, Reverend Jan Ammon, 
sat down the entire freshman class and told us to get over it. Get over our imposter syndrome. I had never heard this term before, but she went on to explain. Imposter syndrome is when you live in a constant state of fear that the people around you will find out that you aren't as great as they think that you are. That you aren't really smart enough to be at Princeton, or perhaps in your case, at Boston University. That you alone are the admission office's big mistake. That you don't really make enough money to live the lifestyle your colleagues think you do. That you aren't as nice or as thoughtful as other people think you are. That someone might find out you aren't as talented an athlete as your reputation has led them to believe. That you aren't as faithful or disciplined in your spiritual life as others believe or that you don't work as hard or as fast as the other colleagues in your office. Most of us deal with this fear each and every day of our lives. We are so afraid of being found out for all of our faults and failures that we occasionally, as a defense mechanism, begin to judge others. Like the churches in Rome, we feel tempted to call out the faults of others to mask our own faults our own worries, our imperfections. We call out others to hide the imposter syndrome we feel in ourselves. Occasionally, our anxiety of letting our faults be known creates distance between ourselves and the communities that love us, and we feel like we are judged and occasionally respond by judging others. This is a vicious cycle. It upholds perfectionism and disregards the notions that fault actually creates growth. I once heard a story about a Catholic priest named Father Joseph. Now, a brand new member of Father Joseph's monastic order had committed a fault. A council was called to determine the punishment, but when the monks assembled, they noticed that Father Joseph was not present among them. So a superior sent, one, sent someone to go get him and said, come, everyone is waiting for you. And Father Joseph got up and went, but he took a leaky jug, filled it with water, and carried it with him. When the others saw this, they asked, What is this, Father? And Father Joseph said to them, My faults and imperfections run out behind me, and I do not see them. And yet I come here to judge the error of another. When we judge each other, in order to cover up from our own imperfections, we are at jeopardy of becoming an imposter. But instead, we are called to acknowledge the worth of all people, accepting others for exactly who they are and encouraging our most authentic selves to be expressed. When we accept and encourage each other, we get to just be to develop a truly deep and beautiful sense of self and live in a community based on hospitality. In my first few weeks of chaplaincy for international students here at BU, I started an international student fellowship dinner. This was a group of international students to come to feel more connected with each other, to process through all of the adjustments of living in a foreign city, and to create deep and lasting friendships that crossed culture. Every week, we gather in the lower level of Marsh Chapel and we cook cultural foods together, things students miss from home. 
We had Italian students teach us how to make lasagna, Taiwanese students show us how to make miso soup, Indian students show us how to make spicy apple curry. And as we eat our comfort foods, we talk about what it's like to live in Boston, what our lives are like in general, the things we long for from home, and the things in Boston we wish we could share with our friends at home. Attending this group in the middle of the fall semester last year was a young graduate student from Nepal who was living in the United States for the very first time. After her second week in a row of attending International Student Fellowship, she asked if she could speak at the end of our discussion. She said, I just wanted to thank this group. I was so afraid of saying something wrong in English or messing up my words but you guys made it okay. In these last two hours tonight, I have spoken more than I have spoken in the two weeks I have lived in Boston. That imposter syndrome that she felt of being found out debilitated her from speaking for nearly two weeks. For students in the start of a new school year, the pressure to be perfect is immense. And it seems that the imposter syndrome goes hand in hand with the fear of being judged. But luckily, our Nepalese friend was able to shake off that imposter syndrome and find her own voice. She then went out to be the president of her graduate school's very own international student organization. And today, she creates safe spaces for others to talk, to try out their voice, discover who they are, and feel that they belong. The good news that we find in this letter from Paul to Rome is that there is no such thing as an imposter when it comes to God. In Romans 14.3, Paul writes, don't judge each other. Who are you to pass judgment? What you all should know is that God has already welcomed everyone and has welcomed us for being exactly who we are. Every single one of us, from that early church in Rome, both groups, to every single person sitting in a pew in this room, Jews and Greeks, meat eaters and vegetarians, people who worship on Saturdays, people who worship on Sundays, you are welcomed. You are welcomed whether you're Southern, Northern, Western, New Englander, Chinese, Indian, Turkish, Taiwanese, Nepalese, African, Colombian, Mexican, European, you are welcome here. You are not an imposter. You are fully known and accepted and loved for being just who you are. Paul writes, you should simply be you. In everything you are, be authentic. Hold true to your values and the goodness and compassion deep within your heart. He writes that we all live and we all die, but as long as we live and die with holiness, with God, with truth, with goodness, with beauty, we will feel the genuine welling up within us and urging us to be. Just be. My favorite poet, Rainer Maria Rilke, wrote a poem about God calling us to be. Rilke wrote, Live, you said out loud, and die, you said softly. 
But over and over and over again, you said, be. Just be you. Let go of your imposter syndrome and your fear. Let go of the temptation to judge yourself against others. Let go of your embarrassment, for you have been called over and over again to be. And in your being, discover that you belong. Paul writes three times in this passage that all are welcome. And I want to add to my collection of intriguing words the Greek word that Paul uses for welcome here, which comes from the root verb lambano. We only see this word used 11 times in the New Testament, and it is so multidimensional that it varies with each interpretation, but every version of it has the essence of hospitality. You see, lambano literally translates to take in or to receive. In the ancient world, there was a formalized system of hospitality for taking people into your home, offering them food and water, but also comfort and protection as one of your own family, as one of your own clan, as one of you. This is the Greek word Paul chooses to describe God's nature here. Amidst the judging and fremsham feelings amongst these two group of people, Paul silences the scrabble about food and Sabbath and instead makes beautiful statements about the nature and character of God. Paul says that whoever you are, be you, be your truest self, and God will lambano you. God will welcome you. God will take you into God's own family, God's own self, and offer you holy comfort, sacred hospitality and protection. You belong with God and God belongs with you. This is an ultimate gift of belonging and being. If there is ever a moment when you feel like a stray, a wanderer, an unconnected human being, take comfort, take rest. God has already welcomed you and made you a part of the holy household of spirit and presence and compassion you have been taken in. You are not an imposter, and you are not alone. God calls you over and over again simply to be and to know that you belong. But Paul challenges the church in Rome even one step further, saying that it is now our responsibility to offer that same welcome to others. Whether we disagree, eat different foods, speak different languages, we all belong to God. And thus, our hospitality should reach to every single person we meet. We are now destined to share this lambano, this welcome of God in our churches, in our lives, in our university, in our every single action. As God has created a home for us, so too must we create a home for others. As the Spirit of God lives within and among us, so too we belong to one another. Let us welcome with open arms those who differ from us in culture and lifestyle. Let us extend our own hospitality, comfort, protection, and love. Ask a fellow student who is far away from home to have coffee with you. 
Invite your neighbor to go to a hockey game and yell your faces off. Take a long walk on the esplanade with someone you just met. Reach out your hand to the person next to you and ask their name, where they're from, and what they love about their home. Show signs of welcome wherever you go. I challenge you, all of you, but especially Boston University students, as the school year starts, find courage to be you exactly as you are and know that you are taken in. You have been received and warmly welcomed by God. Know that you are welcome in Marsh Chapel. In this house of God, you have been welcomed by God. Know that you are welcome here in Boston University. This is a place where you belong, where you can thrive, grow, and in turn reach out open arms of hospitality towards one another. Discover who it is that you are. Be a part of this compassionate community and then extend your own sense of welcome to everyone you meet. This school year, and every year henceforth, may you find the courage to be you and know in your heart that you have a place where you belong. Amen. throne we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts, 
and our cares. As we turn our hearts and minds to prayer this morning, you are invited to stand or sit or kneel or come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and eternal, give us grace today to love our enemies, to do good, to lend expecting nothing in return. Give us grace that we may be merciful, refraining from judgment and condemnation, rather giving and forgiving. Give us grace in times of tumult and strife to be people of peace, to be instruments of your peace. We pray today for the Boston University community, for the pursuit of knowledge and more of wisdom we pray for teachers, both faculty and students. We pray for learners, both faculty and students. We pray for the city of Boston, its many neighborhoods and surrounding cities and towns. We pray for peace and prosperity, for goodwill, and for neighborliness. We pray for our nation, for our leaders, and for our own participation as full and equal citizens. We pray for our world, assaulted by war and by plague. We pray for peace. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for health and healing in communities and individuals around the world. We bring all of our prayers together before the throne of grace, praying together in the words that Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. We're glad that you are with us today, whether in the chapel nave or in your car on Route 128 or near the beach on the Cape. We hope that you find the service to be a moment of solace in your week. Know that you are welcome in this place. For those in the nave, we hope that you will take a moment to get to know one another better and help us to get to know you better throughout the week by putting your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle and then passing those pads along your pew. A few brief announcements. A memorial service for former BU First Lady Jasmine Cobanian will, will take place here in the chapel nave tomorrow at 3 p.m. Children's ministry resumes today. All children are invited to join Miss Jamie Dingus uh, during the last hymn today for about 40 minutes of religious education instruction downstairs in the Thurman Room. Next weekend is Alumni Weekend, and we look forward to getting greeting all alumni next Sunday here at Marsh Chapel. Please take note of the various small group offerings found in the bulletin and term book today and throughout the week. And now an announcement from Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, our Director of Music. Good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to greet you and to announce to you that today is the first rehearsal of the Thurman Choir. We'll begin downstairs in the Robinson Chapel at 12.30. Joining me and leading the rehearsal will be Justin at the keyboard. Joshua Rohde, our conducting fellow, will say hello at the beginning, and four of our choral scholars. And just uh, so you get a chance to meet them, I'd like to invite the uh, nine choral scholars who are leading us this year, please stand so we can see who you are. Jacqueline, Margo, Carrie, all around. Stand, Margo, might as well. Margo's <laughs> substituting today for Emily Culler. Thank you to you all for your presence and your leadership with us. Thank you very much. And we'll see you at 1230. Thurman Choir is a non-auditioned group, so anybody can be a part, and we hope you'll come and sing. 
Thank you. For all other upcoming services and activities, we encourage you to keep an eye on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, where you may also find an opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Dear God, spirit of love and life, we thank you for the opportunity to come together today. As we worship here in prayer and song and silence, we are grateful for the ways you bless our lives and for our ability to share those, bless those blessings with others. Particularly, we give thanks for the faith, the love, and the connection we feel in this holy place. We pray that the gifts given today serve to sustain the ministry of this beloved community and to bless our local community and the world. For these gifts and for all that is our lives, we pray. Amen. this benediction. Go now from this place, feeling comfort in your belonging and in your very being. May the peace of God sustain you and be with you all of your days. <laughs>